They say life is stranger than fiction. So it's about a tennis ball-sized atom, and then around that you see the electrons orbiting, as you would sort of imagine what an atom looks like if you haven't got a chemistry degree, because that sort of orbit <laughs> is actually unstable. But sometimes what we see in movies or read in books is so incredible that it obviously couldn't be possible. Or could it? It's so big that it's got thousands of protons. Thousands is a small understatement. It'd be 2.6 times 10 to the 41. <laughs> so something with 41 zeros after it. <laughs> Welcome to Sci-Fi Sci-Fact. I'm Brian Crump and this is a podcast where we take science fiction's strangest ideas, weirdest elements, most unfeasible plot drivers and explore if they could actually happen in real life. Maybe they already have. And in every episode, we bring in a scientist from New Zealand's McDiamond Institute to explain the theories behind some of fiction's more fantastic flights of fancy, if any theory exists. In this episode, Dr. Nate Davis, Associate Investigator with the McDiamond Institute and Senior Lecturer in Physical Chemistry at Victoria University of Wellington, tells us all about Jumbonium, a plot device from the Futurana episode, The Lesser of Two Evils. It's an atom so big, you could wear it on your head. Good news, everyone. Report to my bedroom for a private exhibition. <sighs> everyone, get in bed with me. I have something to show you. Feast your eyes on this! <gasps> it's beautiful! And huge! Can I touch it? So what is it already? It's a single atom of jumbonium, an element so rare, the nucleus alone is worth more than $50,000. How much more? A hundred thousand. That's why I hid it here, under my mattress. Uh, Professor, can we discuss this somewhere else? Why, certainly! Jumbonium. Now, I'm not such a, a Futurama I like, but I've never got hooked on it. But I know it's kind of like The Simpsons in the future, sort of. Maybe not. Yes. <laughs> Probably tells yeah, you how little I know um, about Futurama. But some of the characters look similar. And Jumbonium yes. is, is... What is Jumbonium? It sounds like an element. Yeah, so Jumbonium is basically a large atom. Um, so it's in the episode. It's the award for the winner of the Miss Universe competition... Uh, in the year 3001. They still had those kind of competitions then? Yeah, apparently they do. Right. Um, but in this case, instead of... Uh, so much for women's lip. Earth, uh, there's um, people from all around the galaxy. I think the winner is actually uh, like an amoeba-like alien. So it's a bit more diverse than the current competition. A bit more inclusive, aliens. I hope. Yes. Um, and <laughs> Jumbonium is this large atom that Professor Farnsworth, one of the main characters, says that it's worth $200,000 or at least, and it's somewhere between $200,000 and $201,000. So it's quite the prize to be won. Right. And, and what does Jumbonium do? I mean, it's a giant um, atom. Some assumed it's connected to other giant atoms. Uh, actually, it just sort of floats there um, as a single giant atom. Uh, it's big enough that you can see, so it's about a tennis ball size atom. Um, and then around that, you see the electrons orbiting um, 
as you would sort of imagine what an atom looks like if you haven't got a chemistry degree because that sort of orbit is actually unstable. But the basic picture of an atom in a cartoon works very well. How often do you see pictures of atoms, um, Nathaniel, and think, that's not how they are? I mean, every every atom I've ever seen, I think, that hasn't been in a textbook or at a conference is always incorrect. I mean, that's a great big tangent. We could go flying off right there, but I'll try and keep to your script here, Nathaniel. Um, I'm assuming... I'm assuming that uh, the the application of jumbonium is purely cosmetic. That's what it's used yes. for? Yes. Um, well, it might have some interesting properties if you could make it. Um, but in the all we go from is like a one-minute scene in Futurama where it's a prize. So well, let's go with cosmetic because it's hard to predict uh, elements' properties and it's hard to predict fictional elements' properties. But we're going to try and do that along the way. An atom the size of a tennis ball. Yes, and you can not only see you can see, and I've, I've got an illustration in front of me, which we will have up on our webpage for anyone who wants to check out Jumbonium. Uh, lots of pretty little balls, all you know, squelched together. Now those will be what the protons. Yes, so the actual picture is quite good of the structure of a nucleus. Um, so the centre of an atom contains protons and neutrons, all squished together. Um, the different held... colors, protons and neutrons, or are the protons and yeah, neutrons so... about the same size? Yep, they're the same size. Um, in this picture, there's four different colors, um, and that gets a bit confusing. Are so there? maybe there's some antimatter there, but right. if it was there, it'd be annihilating and exploding. So we're going to kind of ignore <laughs> the four colors because. <laughs> well, I'm colorblind anyway. So, you know, if you yeah. told me there are only three, I'd believe you because I can't see the difference yeah. between the green and the red. Oh, perfect. <laughs> but, um, there are other things that aren't protons and neutrons, which make up protons and neutrons, which are different types of quarks. But that gets really quite complicated um, and isn't quite necessarily needed for the story of what this could become. But with jumbonium, not only do we have the nucleus, we have the electrons spinning around, although I can only it, see two of them. Which um, would yeah, make it in helium. my picture, there's three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yes, hang on. Helium three, or... one, one, two. Yeah, three. So that would make it... A, what's What's number three? Is it... Lithium? Lithium? Yeah, I'll I think just, it's lithium. Yeah, that's what I'll guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's good on your yeah. chemistry. Good on your chemistry professor. <laughs> yeah, we always you look I can I can look it up. That's the best way to Yeah, you know, you're so right there. A, My son used to had this this one of the periodic table songs he memorized for a bit. Um but I can't remember the tune, so I'm I'm no no help to you. But I, I think it's yeah, lithium. I know there three. is a song, but I also haven't learned it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, those electrons, however, they're too close, aren't they, to this nucleus? They should be way, way out of the it, shot, so shouldn't they? It, it depends. So the the electrons are meant to be about a hundred thousand times further away from the uh, like the center of the nucleus than the radius. But as they get bigger, because they have to move faster, if you imagine this orbit around a central point, they actually get heavier. So the old uh, equation e equals mc squared as you sort of approach the speed of light your mass increases and then they actually contract in um so having big electrons far away kind of doesn't make sense because the fact that they're big and far away means it actually be closer because they'd be heavier and getting okay. pulled in more so that's not so implausible after all yeah so that's 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 sort of okay. The main implausibility is just the size. So I did a, a quick calculation. If you have 
an atom. So a normal atom is between so about five femtometers. Um, and so helium is about 1.6. Uh, uranium is about 15. So I'm so, sorry, Nathaniel, sorry to interrupt. You said uh, a, a, an atom was how many? What was it? Did you say uh, let's femtometers? Call it, let's call it six femtometers. Yeah. What's a femtometer? Uh, so it's uh, 10 to the million million of uh, meter. Uh, the easiest way to think of it is if you have an atom and a tennis ball, the same comparison between that size difference is a tennis ball and then a large object in space, which is radius is out to around about Jupiter. So all of the solar system is one big star out to where Jupiter's radius is. That's the same size comparison to a tennis ball to an atom. Okay, right. So it's very, very, very small. Those kind of mind-blowing sorts of um, dimensions. Yeah, yes. so the, right. the scale's about 10 to the 13 times is what we're looking at, which is so small that when you start doing the maths, you get into some weird ideas just of how many protons and neutrons you would need to make this material. Anyway, getting back, sorry, I, I threw you off course there. Um, you, okay. You're saying that the, the size of a Saturn is what? So what's, it, what's the problem about some, having something this big in terms of implausibility? Um, so just in terms of stability, nuclear stability, there's about 9,000 nucleuses that we know of or that we can predict. 3,000 were found, but only 195 of them are stable. Um, and it's because the protons and the neutrons are stuck together with a strong nuclear force, but they're also pushing, the protons are pushing each other away because they're both positive. Um, and as you get bigger, the pushing away force scales more, so it, it, it stays there, whereas the strong nuclear force weakens. Um, so the bigger you get, the more the protons want to push each other apart until they actually do and your atom falls apart. Is that why there's a limit to how big atoms can be in terms of the number of electrons and protons yep, and neutrons? Yep. yep, exactly. And anything higher than atomic number uh, 82, which is lead, is actually unstable. And that's where we get radioactivity. Uh, radioactivity is the protons either tunneling away from each other or becoming small nucleoids and ejecting out of the nucleus as well. So it's all to do with that, do with the trade-off between the strong nuclear force and electrostatic repulsion. The strong nuclear force then is is what holds the nucleus together. Like you were saying, yes. the pro the protons have all positively charged, and most times posit the same charge repels, but this force yep. holds it together. Where does, where does that force come from? Um, that's a bit deeper than I was planning to go. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm sorry about that, Nathaniel, <laughs> but I mean, what, what, what stops everything from just blowing apart? Um, so it's mainly, if you think of it as like a sticky, a stickiness, it's to do with some quite complicated quantum mechanics. I bet it is. Um, but effectively, just think about if you had a bunch of magnets that were repelling each other, um, but imagine they only had one side. So again, that's hard but then gluing them together. Um, and you could find that you could have a glue that'd be strong enough to hold them together, but the more and more magnets you have would slowly be stronger than the glue. And that's, that's what's happening there. Well, that's an analogy I can sort of get my head around. What's the weak yeah. nuclear force? Um, I'm not 100% sure because I am a synthetic chemist, not a nuclear chemist, but... Right. The best thing about doing this over Zoom... Oh, yeah, away you go. ...is I can just... Oh, I, love, I love it when I get you guys Googling. 
I could I could start googling myself, but I'll probably end up with something that's not much use. I've also uh, found something that's not much use. Because um, what it's are the part fo- of nuclear fission? I thought it was something to do with the, the decay of of um, yeah. Elements. So that's what nuclear fission is. So it's the weak nuclear force um, mechanism interaction between subatomic particles that's responsible for radioactive decay. Right. So does the weak nuclear force play a, a, a part in everything, say, because you were talking about lead. What's that, number yeah. 82 on the periodic table? 82, yes. Um, beyond that, is the, does the weak nuclear force begin to override the strong and things naturally just start falling off of a man? Like um, falling I think off it's of an more atom. so that... I think the weak nuclear force is more to do with once it started, the way it decays, um, in how what type of decay you have, but the actual mechanism of decay comes from the uh, the increase in electrostatic, uh, or at least what I, from my quick understanding of Googling it now, it looks like it's the electrostatic interaction that causes it to break down, and then that's the way it breaks down is described by the weak nuclear force. But we have a problem with, with atoms that get to a certain size. They just won't yes. stick together. And jambonium yes. um, is well and truly... I, I, is it... I mean, the thing about this two, there's a couple of ways to look at jambonium, at least that come to mind. One is that it's this giant atom and it's got thousands. It's so big that it's got thousands of protons and electrons, and that's it's, why it's so big. Uh, thousands is a, a very small understatement. So yeah. if it's actually that big, it'd be 2.6 times 10 to the 41. <laughs> um, so something with 41 zeros after it <laughs> is how many protons and neutrons you'd actually have. Just imagine the kind of decay you get off that thing. Yeah. You wouldn't would, want to be anywhere would near it, would you? What sort of gamma radiation is going to be coming off that? It would be the biggest thing would be um, beta radiation, which is small helium particles. So two neutrons, two protons. And they would just, they would stream off that. I mean, there'd be gamma, there'd be everything coming off this in every direction if it was made. Um, the moment Miss Universe 2000, 3001, sorry, was crowned, that everyone and, and, and the winner would be dead, right, from radiation yes, yes. poisoning. Yeah, even if it was stable. Um, later, once we talk about stability, we'll move on hopefully to neutron stars, uh, which is a feasible thing it is, and she'd die for many other reasons than just radiation. Okay, that's that's one thing. The other yeah, thing was even, what what if if you could have an atom which where where the actual um, protons and neutrons were large enough to see. So that's another thing, and there's some ways where people think that if you um, using higher order dimensions of the ways that you're sort of representing. Uh, these atoms and the way that you're, you're um, what's the word, extending them in, you could sort of maybe push these uh, protons and neutrons into high order dimensions. They could be viewed as larger in uh, our three dimensions. But again, that's, that's stuff, not only stuff that's complicated, stuff that hasn't even been done yet. So it's all theorized and a lot of it probably isn't really feasible at all to make the nucleus look that big. However, what we have been able to do, us humans, is make atoms, big ones, bigger than... What's the largest atom in terms of, of on the periodic table that exists in the natural world? In the natural world, depends if it's stable or... Even um, unstable. What's, what's uranium? Is it higher than lead on the um, periodic yep, table? Yep, it's, it's higher than lead. Um, 
I'll just get uranium. Make number. If anyone it knows is the number song. One, 90, number 92. So 10 more than uranium. And we've made things that are much larger than that. Yeah, but- we've gone up to 118 from ish. I mean, this is the latest paper I got. I don't know what people have done in the last couple of days, but 118 is a named element. Uh, and they've made, I think they've made less than 100 atoms of that. So maybe, maybe around 10 atoms of 118 have been made. And it lived for about 1.1 microseconds. Right. That's a very short so, life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the main thing is, yeah, because as we get bigger, they become more unstable. Uh, there is predictions that there's this area of stability deeper into the periodic table that we haven't got to using our particle accelerators um, to make these atoms, but they're still going to be orders of magnitude smaller. I think the island of stability is sort of around 100 and maybe 126 protons, and so that's only eight more than we're at now, and we're nowhere near the 10 to the 41 yeah. protons we'd Organesian. need Organesson yes. at 118. Yes. Lasts for yep. 1.15 milliseconds. But what's, yep. what do you mean by this island stability with things that are even larger, have even more so protons and neutrons? It, it has one of the best things, uh, terms in science, I think, called a magic number. Um, <laughs> and so it's imagine you're packing spheres or marbles together. A certain number of them would pack really nicely together into like another litter sphere. Um, and that's sort of like a region of stability. Um, it's to do with energy shells, and it's a bit more complicated than packing, but packing is a nice way to imagine it. And so the numbers go, I think they go like two, six, eight, uh, and they increase up to about 126 or 128, depending if you're a proton or a neutron. And they're the magic numbers that are meant to be more stable. Oh, here they are, 2, 8, 20, 28, 50, 82, 126. So these are numbers where your marbles can pack together in a nice way and they're, they're stable. But, How stable is stable, though? Are we talking about uh, can hang around? Or stable still... enough that if you're a scientist, you'd be pretty excited, but not stable enough that if you owned one, you would think it was a good investment. Right. Um, <laughs> some of them last... Uh, like a year, a year would be for a half-life would be pretty exciting. But this um, is only in theory maybe, at the moment, right? Yeah. They think maybe 100 years for some of them. The problem is... What sort of properties theory, would they have? Um, so they'd be very radioactive. Um, they would be heavy. Um, that's sort of all. They wouldn't do too much chemistry because a lot of these big things, as we talked about electrons getting denser, the orbitals and the new chemistry you can do with larger atoms sort of decreases because all the big all the um, electrons collapse into the shell, and so it doesn't really it's not it's not so different from the other elements because it's just like a slightly denser one. Um, whereas smaller elements like the difference between hydrogen and helium, one bonds with everything and one doesn't bond at all. So there's like more going on in the smaller atoms. Apart from maybe getting some kudos. Would we be able to use these super elements for anything, super large elements? Um, no, I don't think so. There might be ways you could make exotic forms of matter or something, but again, it'd be mainly kudos. 
Um, and they're also very, very expensive to make. Um, so Jumbrodium was quoted of being $200,000. These things are built on $100 million facilities with sort of millions, $10 million research budget. Like every one of them costs an outrageous amount of money to make single atoms of it. I think they're some of the most expensive materials in the world. If you compare how much they'll paid for how much you got out of it, it's orders and orders of magnitude more expensive than anything we could imagine, like gold or silver or something. Getting back to the um, Futurama realisation of Jumbonium and yep. you pointing out that that's not what an atom looks like anyway, um, I mean, the, the protons and neutrons don't look like balls, do they? The electrons don't look like balls. I mean, do they look like anything? Are they even particles? Well, so they're, they're both particles and waves. I've just touched on a thing called wave-particle duality. Um, everything is a wave and a particle, but when you're small, it becomes more apparent. So a neutron and a proton probably are a sort of spherical little particle, whereas an electron, while as a particle, is more of a wave, and it exists in a big probability distribution around your central uh, nucleus. Um, so you can't really picture that so much as a classic particle because it's so small. How much of your atom is empty space? Uh, 99.999. Even, um, if you imagine, even the really big ones, which you said yeah. maybe the electrons would orbit more closely, the larger the nucleus is? It's still, because if you imagine, it's, so the electrons are normally 100,000 times further away from the nucleus. And the nucleus is about a couple of, fem uh, like, a, say, a femtometer, whereas the atom itself is about an Armstrong. So it's just orders of magnitude uh, bigger with the electron cloud. And the electron cloud is effectively free space because it's a single, it's electrons, so they're not really consistently solid. So you pretty much debunked the whole Jumbonian plausibility, Nathaniel, but you mentioned something um, else halfway through the interview. And you wanted yes. to talk about it. Neutron stars. Neutron now, stars. Is, so what are they? Um, so it's the only thing that seems plausible to have something that big. So a neutron star is a type of collapsed star. Um, and it's when your star wasn't big enough to form a black hole, but it was pretty close to doing it. So what happens is all the matter collapses in and it pushes all the protons, the neutrons, and the electrons into each other. And the electrons combine with the protons and make a neutron. And you're just left with a ball of neutrons. Right. It has the density of, uh, of an atom, of the nucleus of an atom. It's effectively like a large atom. It has a lot of the properties of atoms. It's just, it's a visible thing now. These are sort of normally around 10 kilometers large. Um, any bigger, they collapse under their own weight and become a, a black hole. And any smaller, the neutrons push each other apart and it explodes. And and the um, neutron star is so dense that what, a cupful of this or a teaspoonful would be what, the weight of planet Earth or something like that? Um, so that they calculate that a teaspoon is the equivalent of 900 pyramids of Giza. Um, so it's 5.5 .5 times 10 to the 12 kilograms. You can really pack them in, can't you? Yeah. Um, and so if we use our tennis ball size of a neutron star... That's the equivalent to 14 billion tons, which is five cubic meters of the Earth's crust. So if you dug five one by one by one kilometer, or five cubic kilometers, sorry, yeah, one by one kilometer holes in the Earth, that would be as much dirt would weigh as much as our tennis ball.
What would this stuff look like? Um, so it's hard to know what they look like because the gravity is so strong and we've never been close to one. But it would probably just look like a shiny, I'm guessing, ball of matter because it's so dense, the electrons are packed in. It's hard to know because we haven't visually seen one. We've only seen them uh, with telescopes through space and they they look a bit like shiny dots like lots of things in space do and uh, and does it still they still emit a huge amount of radiation you couldn't so assume you could withstand the gravity and i'm imagining we couldn't but if we could um would we still be roasted uh yeah so not in terms of radiation they're actually quite stable um but they've got magnetic fields that are 100 million to sort of a quadrillion times stronger than earth so the magnetic field would rip things apart the gravity on them are about 200 billion times Earth's gravity. Um, so they're very, very scary things, um, even when they're small. Could you uh, ever so remove a piece of a neutron star, say something so really, really small, but so small that we were able to physically carry it? Would Once it was separated from the star and was no longer subject to the same pressures, what would happen to it? I would explode um, if you had a small <laughs> amount because the gravity is no longer holding it together. So the neutrons would just push it apart and that would release a teaspoon would be easily probably more energy than all of the nuclear weapons we've used today. I'd so say. even if the winner Definitely of, of Miss magnitude. Universe 3001 um, was crowned with a bit of neutronium rather than jumbonium, it would still be fatal. Yes, yes. Um, and the worst is if you, um, if you touched it. So I didn't have to do this calculation, which is nice. It's from um, Randall Munro, who's the person who does XKDC. Uh, he had a what-if book, and it's really interesting. Everyone should read it. It's scientific answers to absurd hypothetical questions. And the question <laughs> was, what if we had a, a neutron star bullet? Um, and so I scaled some of the calculations to be a tennis ball. But effectively, if you just dropped it on the ground, it would smash through the Earth's crust, vaporizing everything as it went down to the core. Um, and then it would sit there and just do nothing until the sun involved the Earth and it would sit in the center of the sun because it's not big enough. Um, if it was stable, but if you somehow put it on the earth and walked up to it, as you got, say, two meters away, it, you'd feel like you're standing on a hill, like a slope down towards it. Um, as you got within a meter, you'd start sliding towards it. Uh, if you put your hand within 20 centimeters, that's the point of no return. It would suck your hand in more than you could pull it away. And then once you actually touch the surface, it would suck your blood to the tips of your fingers it would burst them because of the blood pressure and then siphon your blood out onto the neutron star. Um, so you never want to get actually close to touching the surface of these things because the gravity is so strong. Are there any stars called Dracula? Mate, they should be. Um, <laughs> they should be. Wouldn't it warp space-time if you got close to it as um, well? Wouldn't, you, wouldn't your hand end up being you know, in a different time zone to your head? So, so technically, yes, because um, everything warps space-time. Um, but it's not going to be that strong because um, it's still quite small. It's, it's gravity is strong per its area, but its gravity is not necessarily – like it's still not as heavy as the Earth is. Yeah. So it wouldn't warp it as much as the Earth does. I was, I was just trying to be an small... optimist here and thinking, oh, I might be losing all my blood, but my head's a couple of years behind um, my fingers, so I'm not so feeling so any don't pain know right it. now. You don't know it yet. Yeah. Yeah. That happens with black holes. Um, or they predict stuff like that would happen with black holes. But a small neutron star wouldn't be too bad. A big one would definitely do it. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Sci-Fi Sci-Fact with me, Brian Crump. And thanks to our brilliant friends at the McDiamond Institute. Sci-Fi Sci-Fact is available on the RNZ website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. There are plenty of other RNZ podcasts to listen out for too, like the award-winning Black Sheep. And you can catch more of me every weeknight on RNZ National.